All right, well, it is a joy to be here today. I am super excited. As many of you know that I've been walking through the first church, Acts chapter 2. So if you would open up your scriptures to Acts chapter 2, verses 42, really 41 and on. And I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer as we begin today. Lord, it is a joy to be able to stand up here and to speak the breath of the living God. Lord, it's an honor and a privilege. And in saying that, Lord, I know that it is also each of our desires to to do that as well within the community, to speak the breath of God. And it's an honor and a privilege for us to be able to share that. Lord, today as we dive into the first church again and and over the next couple weeks as I teach, Lord, may we truly look and place this into our lives that Luke 4.18 will always be that that resembles the first church that resembles you because you are the head of it. Lord, I pray today that my preaching and teaching are not in persuasive words of wisdom on the demonstration of the power of God. So that our faith would not rest on my human understanding, but on the power of a living God. Lord, we love you and praise you, for it's in your name. Amen. All right, so we, two weeks ago, I taught on Acts chapter 2, and we walked through the disciples, or the apostles' teaching. Y'all remember the points? Study, teach, apply, right? Study, teach, apply. Everybody got that? Perfect. So we can keep going. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Let me ask you this question. What does it mean to be in biblical fellowship with each other? For most of us, that's a hard definition to put together. Many of you may be trying to think of some things in your mind and what the scriptures may say and and trying to figure out what what that means. Today my prayer is, is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the breath of the living God, that we can put flesh to the understanding of what does it mean to be in biblical fellowship. And I believe that we need to know that first and foremost because the word of God tells us that the first church was devoted to fellowship, but it's in our name. Luke 4.18, fellowship. And so today, my prayer is is that we can begin to put together what does it mean to be in biblical fellowship with each other. Let me tell you just a few things it's not. One thing it's not is just going to eat and spend time together. That's part of relational things. That's part of spending time together. And you can do that in biblical fellowship, and we'll discuss that. But that in of itself, and just going and just talking about the day and different things, isn't the totality of the definition. It's not just standing around having coffee. It's not a one-way street where one person bears the whole load. And it's not just a building such as a fellowship hall. I believe that the Lord has told me that the definition of biblical fellowship lies within two major things. 
Number one is that we are mutually, reciprocally sharing or reciprocal sharing of the life of Christ. That we are mutual followers of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We'll discuss that in a second. But the second part of this is that I believe that the Lord has told me that there's a practical side to biblical fellowship and that is this. That we must fulfill the scriptures in each location that it talks about one to another. The statements in the scripture where it says, do this to one another and do that. Where it says, love one another, forgive one another, pray for one another. And today we will discuss the practical side as well. So let me start by talking about the mutual sharing of our life in Christ. The first thing I want you to see is that we must have fellowship with the Father. We cannot be in fellowship together if we are not in fellowship with the Father. If you open up your scriptures or flip to it or you can look on the screen to 1 John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1, I want you to see a couple things. I want you to see in verse 3, and I know I didn't give this to you in the back, so I'm going to read it to you. But it says in verse 3, What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with who? With the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. It says in verse 7, if you skip down, it says this, But if we walk in the light... As He, capital H, Himself, is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So it says right there in verse 3, it says that we must have fellowship with the Father. In verse 7, it says if we're not in fellowship with the Father, then we're not in fellowship with each other. So we must start by understanding that we have fellowship with the Father. Let me just remind you real quickly of this. That previous to sin, previous to Adam and Eve taking of the fruit and and disobeying what was told to them, they had a perfect, amazing fellowship with God. But then sin injured the world through the decision, the choice that was made by by. Adam to take of the fruit that he was not supposed to take of. And when that sin entered the world, what happened is it broke that fellowship with the Father. But here's the beautiful thing of all of that, and I want to share this today. And that is this. That when you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your relationship changes with the body of believers. Why? Because you are going back into fellowship with the Father. Previous to salvation, we're lost. Ephesians chapter 2 says, 1 through 3, that we're dead, that we're lost, that we have no understanding. On down, it says that we are without hope. But then when when salvation takes place, when we accept the the, the gift of God, that, that Jesus died on the cross for us to pay the debt that we could never pay, to take our sins on the cross and allow the blood of the Lamb to come upon us. Let me tell you what happens. We're washed white as snow and God sees Jesus in us. And let me tell you what happens. We come into fellowship with the Father. We can't be in fellowship together until we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Let me go back two weeks ago. I shared with you in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. 
In verse 41, it talks about how they believed and that they were baptized and that they accepted Christ and 3,000 came to faith. And I said to you that the church, the true body of Christ, is only made up of true bondservants of the Most High God. You can call yourself a Christian, you can say you're a member of the church, but let me tell you, the only way that you can be a member in fellowship in the body of Christ is if you truly are a bondservant of the living God. Unless you truly believe that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. And let me tell you something, I said it two weeks ago, I'll say it again. We can, we can change any bylaw you want to. You can let anybody you want to come into membership into a church. It does not change who's truly in the body of Christ. You can change anything you want to say whatever you want to say across this nation and the world. But let me tell you something. The word of God is still true. And nothing that man can say or do will ever change any piece of the word of God. It's interesting that man thinks that he can. I mean, God was there way before we were. I mean, he spoke and earth was created. I won't go there because I get really excited. But salvation changes our relationship. We, we get back into fellowship with the Father. And we become into fellowship with the body of Christ. Whenever I'm in the baptismal pool, I always share with you one of my favorite things to say is, listen, this is obviously for the person who is being baptized to proclaim that Christ has changed their life and we rejoice and we're excited. But it also is to let you know that your relationship with them has now changed. They're no longer somebody who's lost that has no understanding, now they have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. And the scripture says that in that moment, let me tell you what happens, they become a brother and a sister with us in Christ. Amen. They become family. They become family. The next thing I want you to see within this is that first we have to have fellowship with the Father. But let me just tell you something. When you truly are born again and you're saved and you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior... The next thing outside of the fellowship with the Father is, is that the Word of God has to be your foundation. Let me say this. The absolute truth, the Word of God, must be your foundation. Listen, we can have fellowship here. We can say we have biblical fellowship. We can say that we're all believers in Christ. But if we don't hold the word of God as our foundation of the absolute truth, then our fellowship and all of our relationships will be based on whoever's at the top dictating their opinions and the things that they want to see people do within the church. So we must allow the absolute truth, the word of God, to be the foundation of biblical fellowship within the church. Let me explain to you what I mean. Why do you pray for your brother and your sister in Christ? Because the Word of God tells you to. Why do you forgive your brother or your sister in Christ? Because the Word of God tells you to. Why do we not neglect the, the, the coming together as a body of Christ on Sundays or Wednesdays? Because the Word of God tells us to not neglect that. We have to get to a place, and I believe we are at Luke 4.18, to have true biblical fellowship. We have to say, this is the foundation of our fellowship. This is it. It's not what David thinks. It's not what Brother Fred thinks. It's what the Word of God says. 
That's what the whole argument really is in today in our society. Is people don't want the word of God to be the absolute truth. And so they're saying, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe the word of God to be an absolute truth. Well, you've got a problem because you're saying that you believe in a God who says he's the only way, but yet you don't believe the fact that he says that this is the absolute truth. You've got a little bit of a problem. Is your God a liar? Because my God's not. But the other beautiful thing about this being the absolute truth is Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but what? The word of God stands forever. I don't have to worry about what foundation our relationship and our fellowship is on if it's on one that will stand forever. I tell people all the time, I'm so glad I have an absolute truth in my life because I don't have to change my beliefs every morning that I wake up to figure out how I feel today. I get to wake up and say, i got to change my behavior and my attitude to what the Word of God says today. Isn't it interesting in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this verse that we're really focused on over the next couple weeks? What was the first thing that it says? They devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. And then it says to fellowship. I think it's very, uh, I think that it was done on purpose. I think God spoke this purpose, purposely for us to realize that we can't be in fellowship with each other if we're not studying and learning the Word of God so that we know what the foundation is for that fellowship. And so that's the reason why that comes first. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, many of you know, the Scripture says that all Scripture is God-breathed, it's useful for teaching, for reproof, or it's profitable for teaching, reproof, for correcting, for training in righteousness. And in verse 17, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So that's the reason why it's the foundation of our fellowship. That's the reason why it's the foundation of what we do here at Luke 4.18. It's because it says right there that it's useful for teaching, or it's, it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. So we must understand, first and foremost, that we must be in fellowship with God, the Father. Second off, the Word of God has to be the absolute truth. And third... We've got a name change. Not our name of Luke 4.18. But if you'll look at 1 John 3, 1-2, it says this. I love it. It says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. Listen. When you get into fellowship with the Father through salvation and you stand on the absolute truth of the Word of God, let me tell you what, what it says right there in Scripture, that you are now a child of the living God. Let me just stop here and just let, let, me, just, let me just do this for a second. If you'll look to your left and look to your right and realize that this is your brother and your sister in Christ. Like we're family. We're all children of the Most High God. Why? Because He changed our name and our identity to be a child of the living King. So when you look around this place, this is family. Let me just tell you something. The way I was raised and the way that I was brought up, I take up for my family. Like, you don't come after my family. Like, we're going to have a problem if you come after my family. If you come out from my mom or dad, we're going to have some, we're going to have some words. And I'll do it in the spirit and I'll, I'll speak properly. If you come after my sisters, we're going to have the same problem. 
And I believe here that if we can get to the place where we look and we see that, hey, we are family. I believe that we will realize that we're called to run together for the kingdom of God. To fight together for the kingdom of God. To stand for each other for the kingdom of God every single day. Let me say it this way. As a believer in Christ, you belong to the family of God, to the body of Christ. And it's time for us true believers across this nation to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ as one body, as one family. You belong. So those are the things that I want you to see, the foundation of fellowship. And let me just recite them or say them again to you, is that we have fellowship with the Father. That our relationship has been restored to the Father. Second is, is that the Word of God is the absolute truth. And the third thing is, is that we are family. We're family. Now, let me walk through the practical life of fellowship. The practical life of fellowship. Now, if we don't have those other three things, if we don't understand those other three things, we can't really do the practical life every day. If you're not walking in fellowship with your Father, your Heavenly Father, with Christ then how are you going to be able to be in fellowship with your brothers and sisters? So we must make sure that those are priority that we may be able to walk forward in practical life. Now I believe that what God is speaking to us in biblical fellowship is that we fulfill the one to another's or the one another scripture. And I'm just going to share with you a couple of them. They're going to be thrown on the screen Um, we're going to kind of walk fast because there's about 40 of them. I'm not going to go through all 40 of them, um, but we're going to go through some of them. The Scripture tells us to love one another. John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You look around at the family again. God's called us to love one another. To truly love and be there for one another. We're members of the body, or, or, or we're members together. It says in Romans 12, 5, So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. We're members of the body. I don't have time to go into 1 Corinthians, but there's several things that we could, we could discuss all day long. But listen, we are all part of one body working together for the kingdom of God, but we're not all the same part. If we were, the church would be looking really strange. It would look really strange. But God's called us to come together as different body parts to be unified for the glory of God and to work together for the kingdom of God. Let me just do a little illustration here. On the count of three, I want you to say your name. Okay? All right. One, two, three. All right. Everybody get that? Everybody knows everybody's name now. We're good. We're good to go. Right? All right. Now, on the count of three, I want you to say Jesus. One, two, three. All right, let's do that. That was too, I love it. Let's do it again. One, two, three. Jesus. Amen. What I want you to see here is this: is that when we, 
as different pieces of the body come together with a central focus, which is our Heavenly Father. And we speak in unison, though we are all different pieces of the body, different members of the body. Guess what happens? They hear, though one's a foot and one's a hand and one's this piece and one's that piece. Guess what they hear? They don't hear different names. They hear Jesus. They hear Jesus. So we, we're part of the body. We're one, we're one body, many members. And let me just tell you something. We've got to encourage each other. Even though there's pieces of the body that, that obviously I'm, God has gifted me in different directions, I'm supposed to encourage all. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm jumping ahead. The next one is uh, preferring one another uh, or, or in honor preferring one another. Talking about, and, and I know that I gave you Romans 12. We'll read that. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another uh, in honor. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 in honor, 1 through 4 actually, talks about, listen, um, think of others more than yourself. It's called humility. God's called us as brothers and sisters, as Him being the one that we're walking under, He is who we're in relationship to, the Word of God's the absolute truth. He said, think of others more than yourself. Look at what it says in Philippians 2.3. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. Some of you are all like, Oh, I don't know if I can be a part of this fellowship. I always say this. This is like one of my favorite things to say. How many people love to be around a prideful person? Or an arrogant person? Or a selfish person? But how many of y'all is it very enjoyable to be around a humble person? Amen. God has called us as the fellowship to think of others more than ourselves. That's difficult. The only way we can do that, remember, is if we're in fellowship with who? The Father. Walking with Him. God's called us to be in like mind with one another. Romans 12, 16. He's called us not to, to, to be judgmental of one another. Romans 14, verse 13. I'll read that one to you. Romans 14, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. He's called us not, not to come and to be judgmental. He's called us to edify each other. He's called us to care for one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25. He's called us to, and it says, so that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. He's called us to serve one another. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, For you were called to freedom, freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You want to truly be in fellowship like the first church? We've got to come and care about each other. And we've got to serve each other. Man, this is difficult stuff. And in some areas, you know, we're doing it. In some areas, it's tough. In some areas, we, we see uh, just what, what's taking place. And sometimes it's just, it's just hard for us to comprehend these things. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says that we are to bear one another's burdens. Brethren, if anyone is in... Is, oh, sorry. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. 
Let me just say this real quick. Sometimes when I, as a pastor, read Bear One Another's Burdens, it does say one another's burdens. It doesn't say one person take on all the burdens. This is not a one-way street. But sometimes that takes place and happens. Listen, God says that we're all a holy priesthood. He's called all of us to come together for the glory, for the kingdom of God, to run together and to carry each other's burdens. And to walk with each other. It doesn't say, and and Pastor Dave will carry every person's burden. There's about 450 to 500 people in this room right now. If I was to carry all 500 burdens right this moment, I would be in trouble. But that's why God said, hey, we're all the body of Christ in fellowship together. That we're called to carry each other's burdens together. And what an incredible testimony out to the world. Why are you serving that person? Man, that's my brother in Christ. Why are you helping that brother carry the burden? Well, that's my my sister in Christ. That's my family. That's my family. He says, be kind to one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It tells us to, to be kind. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. He calls us to be kind and not speak negatively about somebody behind their back. I'm not saying that takes place. I have no clue. But I'm telling you that God has called us to, to uplift our brother and our sister in Christ every day. If I hear something negatively about a family member of mine, I'm going to stand up and say, wait, hold up. Let me speak the truth. And if that really is taking place, let's go meet with my brother or my sister. Let's go talk and figure out what's really going on. Instead of just encouraging, oh, okay, yeah. I heard Brother Fred say this week, he said, if we stay silent about things, it tells people that we're accepting those things. And so when we just sit there and listen sometimes without helping and speaking truth into that situation... Out in the community, if somebody was saying something negatively about my family member, I would be speaking and letting them know the truth. We're to be submissive to one another. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. We're to be subject to one another. 1 Peter 5, 5. We're to comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. It says, therefore comfort one another with these words. And then in James 5.16, it says that we are to confess our sins to one another and that we are to pray for one another. This is what the Word of God tells us that true fellowship looks like. That we are to do this to our brother. We are to love them. That we are to pray for them. That we are to confess to them. We are to be kind to them, to serve them, to care for them, to admonish them, to edify them, to not judge them, to be like-minded with them. The only way that we can do everything that I just spoke is when you're in fellowship with the Father. Allows you to be in fellowship with your brother and sister. Go back to Acts 2.42 for a second. In Acts 2.42 it says this, It says, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. But then it goes on to verse 43 and it says this, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. 
And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. What an incredible sense of awe amongst a body of believers. That they were going out and they had all things in common. Why? Because they were allowing themselves to come into fellowship with the Father and then into fellowship with each other. And they were serving and they were loving and they were caring for each other. Now I want to take a few minutes, and I know it's 1035, but I want to take a few minutes and I want to just look at Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 13. In these two verses we see many of the things that I just spoke. And so I want to look and just, just zone in on this verse and I want to just look at these specific things in relation to Luke 4.18. It says this in verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. Who is that? Those who are in fellowship with who? Our Heavenly Father. Right? Those who are abiding in Him. John 15. Right? Outside of Him we can do nothing. Those who are in in fellowship with Christ. Those who are believers. Those who believe that the Word of God is the absolute truth. They're the ones that he's talking about here. He says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, he says, put on a heart of compassion, of kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. He says, bear with one another and forgive each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. You know, right there at the beginning, it says, put on a heart, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We see there beginnings of the, we see the fruit of the Spirit. You can, many of y'all are going back in your mind and you're hearing the fruit of the Spirit. And remember, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 is that this, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and when we yield to Him, when we're walking in fellowship with, the, with our Heavenly Father, we're walking in fellowship with Christ, we're fo- walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is coming forth from our life. But I want to talk about humility right this moment. And here it says that we are to put on humility. God has called us in fellowship with the body of believers to lay down all of our personal and selfish agendas and only have the agenda of the kingdom of God. He's called us to lay down who we are and get our focus on the kingdom of God. Philippians chapter 2, I just read it to you just a minute ago. I want to read it, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, there is any consolation of love, If there's any what? Fellowship of the Spirit. If any affection and compassion. Then he says in verse 2. He says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Having unity. Where does that unity come from? Because of love. Because of the fellowship of the Father. And as we're fellowshipping together, he says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Maintaining the same love. United in spirit. Intent on one purpose. What's the one purpose? To bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And then he says it. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. In verse 4, he continues. And he says, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest 
of others. You know, I want to share with you this. The reason I wanted to talk specifically about humility as one of the practical things that God's called us to do as believers in Christ and fellowship is because pride often keeps us from breaking some of the chains in our life. I believe that when we truly get to a place of humility, that it will breathe and it will breed vulnerability. It will bring about vulnerability within the body. It will bring about people sharing about what's taking place in their life and what's going on. You know, it's so common for us to say, hey, how are things going? And, oh, things are great. Let's just be honest for a second. Can we, can we be real? Is that okay? Have you ever had a tough morning on a Sunday morning? I don't know why y'all were laughing. Have you ever had a Sunday morning that you woke up and you're like, whether there was an argument at home, though we never argue, um, whether you woke up late, whether you woke up with a headache and just, just or grumpy or whatever, and you got to get to church. And you're like, man, I got I to gotta get to church, and I'm late, and, and you know, I'm not real happy with this person or that person. Everybody's been there, right? If you haven't been there, we're going to pray for you that, that you'll stop lying. <laughs> but you've all been there. But then we walk in the front door, and people are like, man, how's it going? Oh, it's great. God's so good. Y'all know you've done it. Some of y'all are like, today? This morning, was he with me? Like, was he watching what happened? And we begin to say, oh, things are great. Or you had a terrible week, a hard week. And you're just breaking on the inside. And you walk into church and somebody says, who, who loves you and cares for you and is in fellowship with you. You're their brother, you're their sister in Christ. And you say, man, it's been, I'm good. This place right here, and I'm not talking about this building, I'm talking about us, the body of Christ, we're the church, this is just the church house, this is just a building, we're the church, this should be a place where we, in our humility, comes in and say, listen, I'm struggling, it's been hard, it's been a hard week, I need some prayer, I need to talk with somebody. This should be the safest place that you go to all week long. Because we're brothers and sisters. We're family. We're family. But sometimes in our pride, we walk in and say, I I can't let them know something's wrong. I can't let anybody know that, that I'm struggling. Hey, let me confess to you. I called a brother yesterday and just broke down. And just cried and asked for prayer. Listen, we're all in a fight. Galatians chapter 5 tells us that the flesh and the spirit is at war. And it's pretty prideful for us to say, I can't let anybody know that I'm fighting a fight. No, this should be the most real place that you go to all week long. But the only way that's going to take place is if we have biblical fellowship, building those true intentional relationships where you trust to be able to speak to somebody. And I'm not saying just the pastors. That's what I'm saying. I'm letting you know today I'm I'm taking a burden on my shoulders. 
I'm letting you know, this is all of us, all of us, that when we come in and we say, listen, everything's great, I truly believe that people are not walking in freedom because they're afraid or prideful to share what's happening in their lives. And every day they'll leave, whether it's here or whatever church across this nation, they'll walk out and they'll still be in the same pain and hurt, saying, why, Lord, do I still feel this way? And God's saying, hey, I designed it, I said it in Scripture, to confess to one another, to carry each other's burdens. I'm, I put people in your life, why are you not speaking to them? And so we have to get to a place where we're vulnerable and real with each other. Can I read to you a verse that I love? 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15-16. If you were here yesterday, Brother Randy shared that this is, one of his, or this is his life verse, and it says this. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom David Bullock is the foremost of them all. And I understand that that but that didn't say my name. But what I want you to see here is this, is that every one of us fits into that scripture. Every single one of us. If we ever get to a place where we say, listen, I, you know, yeah, I was a sinner saved by grace, but that was 15 years ago, man. I am, woo, I'm way up here now. I'm good, I'm going, I've got it. You better, you better take heed because you're about to fall. That scripture right there puts, puts the cross, and, and, and right in front of the cross, it's level. From the worst of the worst of the worst to one who, just, who, who only did one or two little things in their life, we're all level at the foot of the cross. All of us, because of what happened through sin, we had a broken relationship with the Father. And the only way that we could come to the cross was because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we should be able to say, listen, I have been holding on to this for so long and I need a brother, I need a sister that I trust to walk with me through this. And if we're truly walking in fellowship, you know what we say? Come on. Put their arm around them and say, let's go. I'm going to be praying for you. Let's pray right now. Call them throughout the week and offer encouragement to build them up. That's true community. That's true fellowship. And so we must truly be vulnerable. The second thing I want you to see in Colossians is this. It says in, in verse 13, it says, Bearing with one another. Bearing with one another is talking about supporting one another. To be there, to walk with one another. And in Acts chapter 2, I just read it to you and I showed you in verse 43 through 45, no one had needs. Why? Because... They had taken care of them. They had supported each other. And I say this again. Let me say this one more time. This is not a one-way street. God's called all of us to be in fellowship together for the kingdom of God. But we've got to be supporting one another. James chapter 5 verse 16 says this. And this is the scripture I was talking about earlier, but it says in James 5.16, it tells us, it calls us to confess to one another. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And then it says, so that you may be healed, the effective prayer of a righteous man may accomplish, or will accomplish, can accomplish much. 
confess your sins to one another, to pray for one another. So in the book of Proverbs, it says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. We're called to come and live life intentionally with one another. Intentionally. Can I just tell you, I got really convicted studying. Because I said, I, I always tell people, I, I look at Jesus as my example of how I do ministry. Okay? I think he's probably the best one I can look to. If you disagree with me, I'll pray for you. But I asked myself, I said, how often was Jesus with his disciples? I wish I wouldn't ask myself that question. Because he was with them all the time. He truly lived life with those 12 all the time. All the time. Listen, this fellowship is not just Sunday morning and Wednesday night. No, may, may we not believe that lie. Oh, I came on Sunday morning. Oh, I came on Wednesday night. I'm good to go. Everything's great. I'm part of the fellowship. No, this fellowship is day in and day out together for the kingdom of God every day. Some of the toughest battles that you're going to face is when you walk out of this door on Monday morning when you walk into your job. And why would we not be there to support you there too? And when I say we, remember, I'm not talking about the pastoral staff, even though we're included in that. I'm talking about who? All of us. And so we're called to support each other. We're called to, to pray for each other. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. I love this. It says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How do we, let us consider how to push each other to, to, to love and, and to good deeds, to, to share and to, to help push each other. But then it says this, and let us consider and not forsaking our own assembly together as it is habit of some, but encouraging one another. Listen, I'm not talking about flattery. Flattery is basically you saying something that's not true. It just puffs you up. It's just a bunch of hot air. I'm not telling you to go and flatter each other. But it says encourage. You know what encouraging does? It builds you up. Let me ask you this question. And this is between you and, you and God. I don't want you to speak it out loud. But when was the last time you encouraged a brother or sister in Christ? You know what I like to do? I like to write a letter. Little small cards. Because to me... Nobody does mail anymore. They do the social media stuff. I'm not even on, so don't try to Facebook me or anything like that because I'm not on it. But what I do is I like to write a letter. Why? Because that's the time that I took to sit down to, to, to think about that person. I love getting something in the mail, even if it's a bill. I don't know why. That's weird. I know I'm weird. I know. I get it. I get it. But I love getting stuff in the mail. Except for political type stuff. No, I'm just kidding. I love getting stuff in the mail. Because somebody took time to write that out. To encourage me or my wife or my children. Even if it's just happy birthday. They, they took time and thought about that person. They wanted to build that person up. And let them know, hey, you're important to me as a brother and as a sister in Christ. You're so important that I made sure that I sent you something on your birthday. We need to encourage our brothers and sisters, as it says in Hebrews chapter 10. And it says at the end of that, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Even the more, why? Because it's going to get harder. 
it's going to get more difficult. If you think that it's tough now, we got, we got news for you. It's going to get worse. It's what the Bible says, and it's the absolute truth, so it's going to happen. So we see that. Then the next thing it says is bearing all these things, or excuse me, bearing with one another. Then it says forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against one another. God's called us to forgive each other. And let me just tell you something. Forgiving each other does not mean that what they did was right. There's been times that I've walked up to brothers and sisters in Christ here in this fellowship, in this body, and I said, will you forgive me? Whether I told them that I would do something that I forgot to do unintentionally, but to me, my word is my word. And so I went to my brother or my sister and I said, listen, will you forgive me? We've got to forgive each other. In Matthew 18, 21 through 22, Peter asked, how often shall I forgive my brother? He says, Lord, how often shall my brother... um, How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus says, oh no. Jesus said, I do not say say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. God's called us to live in an attitude of forgiveness towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. And can I just say this about forgiveness? I'll see if I can get this out. When you think of the size of debt that Jesus forgave you, forgiveness becomes easier. I didn't say it becomes easy. It becomes easier. When you realize that you had a debt that you could not pay, And that Jesus loved you enough to send His Son to die for you. And that He forgave you though you were a sinner. Christ died for you. Though we had nothing to do with Jesus. He said, I love you enough and I'm going to send my Son. So that whoever believes in me, what? They'll be forgiven. When you realize the size of debt that Jesus forgave you from, it makes forgiveness a whole lot easier because it doesn't even compare to the little things that take place in our life. And as I was sitting there and I was praying over this message, a hymn came to me, and we're going to sing it here. How many of y'all know he paid a debt he did not owe? Let's sing this song together, and Brother Ed's going to lead us. He paid a debt. He did not owe, I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Amen. Jesus paid a debt that you and I could never pay. He's called us to live in forgiveness with our brothers and our sisters in Christ every day. And I don't know who in here is hearing this that God is speaking to, but I want you to know today, let today be a day of forgiveness that you release that. I saw a sign one time, I'll say this and I'll move on to my last point, but I saw a sign one time that said the lack of forgiveness is like pouring poison for your enemy and drinking it yourself. And what it was talking about is basically the lack of forgiveness is actually more painful for you than the person that was involved. In verse 14 it says this, 
Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Listen, God's called us to put on love, to love our brothers and sisters. Everything that we just shared comes out of love. But we understand, we know in 1 John chapter 4, 19, that we love because why? Because He first loved us. And then it continues on in verse 20 and 21. And it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. If somebody comes in here and says, hey, I'm part of the fellowship. I'm in fellowship with Christ. And, 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 and they say, listen, I hate my brother. Then it tells you right here, it says he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. But then it says in verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. God's called us to love. John 13, 34 and 35, it was quoted by Brother Fred and by Brother Ed this morning, and it says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then it says this, I love it, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you, love, if you have love for one another. You know what's so beautiful about that is that when we live in biblical fellowship with each other and we take all the, uh, the, the what we should do for each other and, and we live in that love, let me tell you something, there is no community, there is no grouping of people across this world that will ever be in unity as the way that the body of Christ will be when we allow the absolute truth, the word of God to be our foundation and we live that out every day. There's no community in this world that can even fabricate the unity and the love that will take place in the body of Christ when we follow what God has called us to do in biblical fellowship. And let me just say this. I want to close here with a couple things. But I want to close with John chapter 15, verse 13. Many of y'all know it. It was also quoted this morning, and I did not give Brother Ed all my scriptures. But it says in John chapter 15, verse 13, it says this, Greater love has no one than this, that one would lay down his life for his friend. You know, as I was studying this and I was, I was praying over this, I, I began to think to myself, you know, I'd lay down my life for my wife. I'd lay down my life for my kids. But the Lord was speaking to me and said, David, do you give your life for your brothers and sisters every day for the kingdom of God together? No greater love than this. God's called us to love each other, to run together for the kingdom of God and to fulfill what he said in his prayer that they, in John 17, 21, that they would be one. Who is they? We, that we would be one. Just as who? Just as he and the Father are one. We must love, which brings about unity. And because of that unity, as I said, no community in this world will ever be able to emulate what we have as a body of believers when we truly walk in true fellowship. So let me ask you these two questions as I close. Are you devoted to fellowship with the Father? Are you devoted? He said that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. For you to be devoted to fellowship, you have to be devoted to our Heavenly Father. Are you in fellowship with our Heavenly Father? And then the last question, the second question that I will leave you with today is this. Are you truly in fellowship with one another? Are you truly in fellowship? 